It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following show contains adult content. It's not our intent to offend anyone, but we want to inform you that if you are a child under the age of 18 or get offended easily, this next show may not be for you. The content, opinions, and subject matter of these shows are solely the choice of your show hosts and their guests, and not those of the Entertainment Network or any affiliated stations. Any comments or inquiries should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for listening. This is the Pipe Man with W4CY Radio, and I'm here with... Dave Cavalier. Nice, here at Bourbon and Beyond. Uh, Pretty amazing for an inaugural event, what we have going on out there, huh? Yeah, you know, it's my first time to Louisville, and, um, you know, for a young guy like me to kind of be sharing the bill with Eddie Vedder and Buddy Guy and all these incredible artists tomorrow, too, and the rest of really today, I mean, this is... Louisville's lucky to have this going on. I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah, nice, and, you know, for those... Listeners, I can't pronounce it right, but we both pronounced the name of the city wrong. Like, I think they say it's like Louisville, or I, I can't even say it. I, I, I can't even say it. I'm from New York and L.A., so with both those, I can't say it the way they say it. I say it exactly the way you do, but it is amazing. Like, you know, I do a lot of festivals. You don't see this many people, you know, on an inaugural event the first day. And there's a huge football game playing down the street, and we still have crowds here. Yeah, well, I think it just speaks to the lineup, really. I mean, like, again, happy to be a part of it myself, but there's some incredible musicians, some incredible bands. And, uh, you know, the guys put on great festivals, and the ones that they're putting on today, I mean, they're giving a gift to this town. And I, the greatest thing is, like you said, there's so many people here. They, they know it. They appreciate it. And they're here. They're going to just have some drinks. It's hot, and they're still out there hanging out. You know, there's a lot of people who could have slept in today, and they didn't. So I'm glad everybody's here. No doubt. And there's a lot of bourbon here. 
Yeah. Oh, a lot of bourbon. A lot of bourbon. So people better be hydrating while they're dehydrating. Otherwise, it's going to be a long night or a slow Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine what it's going to be like tonight after all day of bourbon and hot weather. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, I'm already worried about our drummer. You know what I mean? I, you always lose the drummer first. And yeah, it's, it's, I was, we got off stage at about 1230 and we know we're going to be hanging out late until we see. And I was just like, that many hours of drinking? I was like, yep, yeah, we're, we're, we might be in some trouble. But <laughs> it could be worse though. You could have been playing later and drinking the bourbon all day and then get on stage. I saw that happen at the last festival I was at. I was going to say, time will tell when the headliners go on to see the, uh, the professional quality either of their livers or the musicianship when it comes to the whiskey this weekend but we'll see well you know what's funny about that it's kind of ironic a lot of the performers that are like the headliners are like on the wagon and they're playing a bourbon festival i love that yeah, yeah. Well, to be perfectly honest, I don't drink as much as I used to. I was a professional hanging from chandeliers, and then I decided to get a little more productive, you know? So I take a couple more nights off nowadays. But it's the thing. I think that's the the best thing is, you know, for for the people who are coming here for this experience, you know? Music festivals are so different now. You know, they're an experience unto the world around the music as much as the lineup itself and so you know giving the bourbon for the fans and everything and then the musicians can come here and be a part of this incredible element that binds it all together which is the music you know but yeah we, everybody's just here to let loose and you know there's a lot of things uh, that we could choose to have some distractions from out in the world so why not you know put them table them all have some whiskey with some new friends and you know let's do it this weekend in Louisville so there you go and uh, I think you said it the right way that time Without even noticing. Lou, Louisville? There you go. Something like that. I hope so. That would be great. That would be great. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you caught on something that is, a, is kind of a peeve of mine, and that is about a festival's experience. And one of the things that bothers me is when I hear or see attendees that come to a festival for one band, they leave or come, and then if for some reason that band's late or weather, that band doesn't play... It's like their whole weekend is ruined, but it's a festival. It's not about one band. If you want one band, you go to a concert. This is an experience, and me, it's like I don't even care if I like the music at a festival. It's fun. It's an experience, and like you said, it's an escape. Yeah, well, I think I think it's genuinely like a cultural shift in the music community, you know, and it's because music festivals, there's so many more of them now, and there's really, there's so much access to so much music now, which is the gift of the internet and the streaming services of the world, that we have all these artists where they want, they they have their niche. We can put together small festivals, big festivals, and like I said, it's, it's an experience, so you want to sit there and say, you know, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to just give people good music? Because that's not really enough anymore because everyone's got something. So this weekend in particular, they have this culinary experience, they have the great bourbons all over, and then you have this blues, which nothing goes better with bourbon than blues, you know? And so you get these blues rock acts. I mean, the soul is in Louisville this weekend. No doubt. And so for our listeners that have never heard your music, you know, I'm kind of a very anti-genre type of thing. You know, there's a thousand different genres now and more, and... It almost seems like every band has its own genre. I'd rather hear from you and have you explain to the listeners what your music's all about from your point of view. Yeah, well, um, I'll, I'll tell it with a, a story, I guess. <laughs> it's like, 
when I grew up, you know, the four pillars of my electric church are BB, Jimmy, Stevie, and Eric, you know, and I'm a Chicago boy. That's where I grew up. So blues is in the blood. And so my dad always had guitars around. He owned a local music store. So I grew up playing dad's guitars, listening to mom's blues records and stealing my brother's Nirvana and Pearl Jam records, you know, and if you think about how those things could come together, BB and Kurt Cobain and things, I mean, we're alternative blues. You know, we have so much soul to what we do on brewing underneath this just kind of raucous you know turn it to 11 kind of mentality I mean we want people to to let loose we want people to dance we want to be that distraction for 45 minutes that people desperately need on a Friday or Saturday you know so and you know what I love about that you go old-school rock and roll okay opposed to today's rock and roll there's something miss and I'm a rocker but there's something missing from today's rock and roll you don't really see the leads you don't see the solos you know, you take bands like Zeppelin, they were rock and roll, but they were blues too. And it was like, rock and roll came from the blues. Why are you eliminating it? It's a, To me, it's a huge part of it. Well, for me, it was always, I, there's a lot of things I play that people could argue aren't quote unquote blues, but I'm a blues guitar player because it's about a mentality. It's about an approach to me. You know, blues is a lifestyle. It's not a genre, you know, and it's about turning whatever pain or whatever you have you know inside you you're translating it through this beautiful thing that you know for me is a guitar or a story and a song and so it's not the notes you play it's how you play one note you know bb taught me that and so you know for me it's just about soul and when you do rock and roll without any soul in it you're lying and if you do it with soul that means you came from blues somewhere so and let's call it what it is, any music. What is music? That is what music is supposed to be. It's supposed to be from the soul, from the heart. It's supposed to be therapeutic. It's supposed to be a lot of things, not just getting up and, you know, hitting some chords on a guitar. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, full disclosure, if it wasn't for guitar, you know, I don't I don't know different points in my life who the, I would be if I didn't have that. You know, my the raspiness of my voice, I completely blew my voice out at one point. That was when I learned how to really solo on guitar because I didn't have a voice to sing with. And, you know, if it wasn't for that guitar, I could have lost music entirely at that point. So it's just, it's for me, it's, it's not even a separate thing anymore. You know, playing guitar is just... It's like waking up in the morning for me. So You know what I notice with a lot of blues guitarists, too, what I really love is they're not robotic. And what I mean by that is, is you know, you got these guitarists that get up there and they play their whatever chords and whatever their music teacher taught them. And it's kind of, you know, a dictated move. Whereas a blues guitarist just goes off into wherever their mind is going and their heart is going at that time. And like can bring you there yeah well i think that's the thing like i said like it's not about the notes you play it's how you play them and we're not in the business as blues guitar players to necessarily like or the best ones you know to not just play you the coolest lick it's you know conveying to you that blues that 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 angst that sadness whatever it is through the medium of a guitar you know and i don't want to get too romantic about things but like obviously this is how i i think when i pick it up and i play a note is you know i've been given a gift and i'm trying to tell you a story without words and if you under if you're hearing what i'm trying to put out then we found some good connection in between that was right and i love that you said that because the next thing i was going to say is really 
A good guitarist doesn't need a lead singer because the guitar is doing the speaking. Well, you know, we actually do some stuff back in L.A. with some burlesque dancers, and we have this kind of side thing. It's fully improvised, and first note to last step, and, you know, we don't sing for that. And it's we watch their hips like flamenco, and they inspire the licks we're playing, and it's dark, and it's sexy, and, you know, that that really taught me, again, how to speak with my guitar, you know, because with every bend of a, of a, of a note, it's like the bend of a body, you know, and, and you, can, you can create these images in someone's head without playing them a movie. You know, and then, like I said, if you're if you're able to do that, that just means you're doing it, you know, quote unquote, right. So, you've been in different parts of the business. If you were to take one story, good or bad, that when you're 80 years old, you're going to be talking about, what would it be? Well, I, you know, it'll sound cheesy right now, but Buddy Guy's an idol. Eddie Vedder's an idol. Today is definitely going to be one of them. I mean, this is one of the coolest experiences for a young, hustling musician like myself. And, um, you know, to be able to share the stage with your idols. I mean, all a lot of these young musicians, including myself, want is we fight and we claw every day to get to a place where we feel like we belong. You know, and you always dream of belonging on the same bill as your idols. And today it came true for me. So this is going to be one we're going to talk about for a while. I love it. I love it. You're like the first one in like, I don't know. I can't even count how many interviews at how many festivals has actually said that. So I love that. Yeah, it's, it's true, man. I mean, we, we don't hide the fact that, you know, we're, we're hustling. We showed up in a minivan, you know? I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not glamorous where we're coming from. So we're, we're, it's the love that drives us. And seeing that, Bill, with my guys and Buddy and Eddie and Steve, and, like, that's hanging on the wall after this, man. This is a trophy we're so proud of, and we're happy to be here. So happy. You know, and you touched on something, too. Like, most people don't realize, like, the lifestyle of a musician is not like all the glitz and glamour that they portray it to be and uh so i'm glad you brought that up with the minivan and like i've done some interviews in some pretty weird places you would not expect with bands like you know behind the club in their broken down conversion van that you know basically you gotta sit on the floor and you know People don't realize that is really the music lifestyle. Yeah, well, especially now. And I mean, without, you know, creating a soapbox for myself, it's just in the streaming world and things like that, you know, the the idea of the value of music has gone down. And I don't blame consumers in the way where, you know, there's a lot of music. And so I don't blame people for feeling that way. But it's up to us as musicians to try to figure out a way to keep it sustainable because you know it's it's expensive to go on the road and and i think the biggest thing for me is being an independent musician is i'm not worried about music ever dying or whatever i'm worried about the guy who's got the best songs that you need to hear in idaho somewhere and not being able to have the avenue created for him where he can go give it to people in the world he doesn't have to be some superstar but you know the internet only gets you so far you know what i mean and some people would argue not but you know a spotify playlist is an expensive endeavor you know and trying to find your people across the world and country it takes a lot of work and i hope that the avenue for the independent musician is still there 20 years from now because we need everyone to inspire the big guys and the little guys yeah people don't realize lars ulrich was right and you know i run hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. An internet radio station by Ryan, like a real radio station, and I pay a lot of money for licensing. And I get into arguments with people because they're like, well, they should just let me have their music. I'm like, well, do you go to your job and do it for free and not get paid? I mean, they don't realize how hard musicians have to work. You deserve to get paid. Yeah, and you know, it's we we put in a lot of time, and we know when we put our work hat on today that we're going to do a lot of stuff as independent guys that aren't going to get paid, you know, and that's why you keep grinding it out just because at the end of the day, if we did it for money, We'd have been bankers, you know. I mean, all we ever want is a, you know, a slice of bread just to make sure we can make it to the next gig and share what we work so tirelessly on with somebody who maybe needs to hear that song, you know. But that's why we do what we do. We just want to make sure there's gas in the tank to do it. <laughs> there you go. It's funny you should bring up the banker thing because when I was a teenager, I sang thrash metal when the hair metal stuff was coming out, and I was like, "Fuck that! I am not selling out. I'm not posing." So I went into the financial business. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And, you know, there's a lot of guys in L.A. who came out there hard and fast and didn't be able to hang. And I've been kicked while I'm down a number of times. But today, my man, is not one of them. And so that's the best thing about it. Like, you know, you go up, you go down. But this is one of the best shows we're, uh, we've been a part of in a long time. So I'm really excited. And, you know, just keep on trucking. Keep on grinding. There's peanut butter and jelly sandwich in there for you somewhere. <laughs> nice. So, uh, what's next for you? So, um, releasing a new record in the next couple months. Uh, we're putting out a live EP today. Uh, it's been available on the website at DaveCavalier.com. Um, but now it'll be available on iTunes and Spotify. It's called The Mate Sessions. But uh, in a couple months, new studio record. Really, really excited about it. Um, you know, adding a little bit of more contemporary elements, doing um, just just evolving it a little bit. And and I'm just, I'm proud of the songs. I'm proud of the music. It's been a long hustle getting it done. So I'm at that point where I'm just ready to get it out there. I want I want people to hear the new stuff. So Nice. And how do people connect to you on social media? Um, I'd love if people sent messages and everything. It's basically at Dave Cavalier, most of them. You can find all the links at DaveCavalier.com if you need a one-stop shop. But uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, don't be scared. Send me a message. I love to hear from people. And if you got any questions or you want to hear some music, by all means, just hit me up and you'll, we'll get them to you for sure. Any final words for our listeners? We love you guys. Keep music in your hearts. Keep buying it on occasion. And, uh, you know, go to your local shows. And keep supporting your big guys. Just keep loving music. We love you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for being here at Bourbon and Beyond. I know it's a dream of yours, but you know what? I think it's a dream of everybody here to get to see you live on stage. So thank you for that. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Hey, everybody. My name is Dave Cavalier, and you will listen to W4CY Radio.
wake up, America! It's time for the adventures of Hype Man on W4CY.com, West Palm Beach's number one internet radio station. Here's your host, the Pipe Man. This is the Pipe Man with W4CY Radio, and I'm here with... Amanda Freitag. And you, Amanda Freitag, I should have said. I was going to say, like... Don't we want to put the celebrity chef thing in there? Chef, you can say celebrity. I think you're a celebrity. And I like that you want to keep that word off, so I'm going to give it to you. What do you think of Bourbon and Beyond? Wow. This is amazing. This is quite an event, quite a festival. I was here all day yesterday, and I'll be here all day today. And we've had some adventures I bet we're going to hear about those adventures. And it's pretty amazing, a first-year inaugural event. Have you ever seen an inaugural event this packed? I've never seen anything like it. First-year events are usually pretty quiet. Not a lot of people know about them, you know, and, you know, they're just working out the kinks. But this is it. This is full on. I mean, I think yesterday, I'm just going to guesstimate 35,000 people, maybe. At least. At least, if not more. Today we got just as many, and the night's going to be beautiful. And I think there's probably going to they're they're going to break records tonight. I'm sure, and we already did because you know I talked to one of the people from DWP, and yesterday we were talking about it. He said it's a bigger attendance than the first year of Louder Than Life, which is next week, in the same park. So. That's pretty amazing. They've got some competition now. <laughs> They're competing against themselves. Right, exactly. That's never good. <laughs> so let's hear about some of your adventures. Yeah. Tell us. Well, um, yesterday we were cooking at the Love and Fire Experience area with Larceny Bourbon. And we were cooking on open fire. Nice. It was pretty hot out there pretty hot and we smoked some chicken and then we put a glaze on it and what we had was eight lucky guests that got to come into the area and try our food and we demonstrated it and showed it to them and uh, I got some misters and water bottles filled with cucumber and mint and I just was squirting everybody (laughs) and uh, everybody seemed to really like it I mean it was pretty hard to cook out there um, in the heat but The food came out delicious, and then today we had even more fun on the mash stage, which I think it's a a play on words with bourbon mash, and uh, we did a cooking demonstration with uh, Buffalo Trace. They paired the bourbons, and another eight lucky guests got to come on stage and eat the food with the bourbon, and I mean, it was so hot up there, I didn't even need to turn on the heat. Right. So I put on a pan on the electric stove up there and I started searing some pork chops and there was smoke everywhere and I was trying to talk and cook at the same time and Chef Lauren over here saw that that pan was getting real hot and she took it backstage and it just went on fire. Wow. Yeah. So it's to say that this festival is hot <laughs> is an understatement. So obviously we put out the fire. Nobody was hurt. The audience had a good time. The eight lucky guests had a good time. I had a good time. I poured water all over myself when I was done. It was fun. You mean you didn't do a fire walk afterwards? No, definitely not. Definitely not. I signed some cookbooks afterwards. Nice. Tell us about your cookbook. It's called The Chef Next Door. And actually the recipe that I did on the cooking demonstration is in the book. It's a pork chop with crispy pork on top. Pork on pork. Wow. Yes. And the whole idea of the rest of the book is that the recipes are meant for the home cook. 
It was uh, something that came from me uh, being in restaurants for all, over 20 years, taking a little break from restaurants and cooking at home and realizing how hard it is to cook at home. Honestly, it's quite different than cooking in a restaurant. Right. You have to do all the shopping, you have to do all the schlepping and the prepping. You cook it and then you clean it. In a restaurant, there's a brigade of people that help you with that. So all those recipes are, were meant for the cook at home and it was a sort of a love letter to them that says, wow, you guys do this five, six, seven nights a week. This is really hard. You know, it's funny you should say that because I used to cook a lot when I was younger and I don't really anymore because I can't stand the prepping, the cleaning, and everything else. Just let me cook or bake too. Like I used to bake because uh, my grandparents owned a bakery so I learned how to bake. And it's like, I don't even want to do it anymore because all that other stuff is work. Well, in the restaurants, we have prep cooks. We have, you know, people who receive the food. We call up the night before. Everything's delivered so you don't have to shop. You know, we have sous chefs and line cooks who all just have their one station, you know, saute, vegetables, salads. You know, everybody does their part. So really, you don't touch the whole meal. You just do your one thing all night long. In the book, every recipe actually has a prep section. Before you start reading that recipe, it tells you what you have to prep, which is key. Because I know a lot of people will start a recipe, they don't even read it, and then they realize, okay, I'm sauteing some onions, now I have to cut 20 tomatoes. Oh shit, my onions are burning. <laughs> you know? So it tells you what to do before you even get started cooking. And to me, that's the fun part. So you get the prep out of the way, and then you start cooking. There you go. And, you know, I want to find out your feelings on something. Like, I used to say stuff to my kids, you know, they would cook stuff but they wouldn't follow any of the directions and it's not like they were like celebrity chefs that they could be creative they were just making the food taste like crap because they weren't following the directions and there's like these companies they pay like millions of dollars for, for research for the directions I want to know as a chef what your viewpoint is on that uh, well Chefs don't really write recipes. Right. So when we're challenged to write a cookbook, it's a big deal. And so we have to make sure when we've written what we call the method part, that it works. And we have people that actually test it. People who don't have chef skills, they're regular average amateur cooks, and they test it by what those words say. Chefs, on the other hand, will maybe the way we write a recipe, we write down the ingredients, and then we'll make an arrow and we'll say, okay, chop, saute, braise for two hours, finish, serve. Like That's our recipe. So we assume when we're sharing those recipes with our, our chefs in the restaurant that they know, you know how to do it. But you can't do that when you write a cookbook or a recipe that anybody's gonna follow. But it's good to learn some basic, you know, very uh, essential cooking skills. Because when you learn how to chop, when you learn how to saute or braise or very basic things like that, you can kind of do anything. And I think, too, like when you're a chef, it's it's a little different than just cooking for yourself because you have to appeal to the other people that may be different. Like, I, you know, when I was younger, I used to cook and cook for myself. I don't think I could have a recipe for anything I made because I just experimented. And I'm like, oh, I'll put this in. Oh, but and then after it's done, I'm like, this is really good. But I forget what I did. You are a true chef because that's what we do too. And sometimes we will make a recipe so amazing. And along the way, we were riffing, you know, like we, we're like musicians. We're just riffing. Like we didn't write the music. We're just playing. And then somebody will say, okay, how do we do that again? Beats me. Not sure. 
but you got to be consistent in restaurant world and chef world. So I've gotten more into the habit of writing things down as I go. It's sloppy. It's not pretty. My handwriting's pretty bad, but I can look back and say, okay, I know what I did now. And as long as you can read it, that's all that matters. Yeah, as long as I can read it, you know, and usually that piece of paper has sauce or grease or, you know, splashes all over it. And those are kind of the best recipes anyway. Nice. So what's going on after Bourbon and Beyond? Oh, is there anything after Bourbon and Beyond, really? Uh, maybe not. From all the news I'm seeing about Trump, we might not have a world tomorrow. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not really kidding, but... Let's drink a lot of bourbon and have a good time tonight, then. <laughs> That's right. We got a party. T- tonight, we need to party. Tomorrow's the trump apocalypse. <laughs> I just made up a new word. You made up a new word. Well, um... You know, I'm a judge on uh, Food Network's Chopped, and we took a little break over the summer of filming, and we're back in the studio filming some really cool, exciting episodes. We're going to do regular adult Chopped, and then we have Chopped Junior coming up, and then we do a few things called Chopped After Hours, where the judges, who are always very judgy, judging everybody else, get a hold of the baskets, and we show them how we would do it. So we have a lot going on in the Food Network studios. I have a couple of more food festivals coming up, some travels, some appearances. Um, you know, it's going to be a busy fall. And you know what? My daughter is going to be so mad, my oldest daughter, because she, I'm sure, watches your show. And she watches, like, the Food Network 24-7. And she, she's now 31. Oh, wow. And she cooks all the time and like she like gets fancy and like my grandkids they don't eat the crap most kids eat they eat like gourmet meals every night well i love the fact that we've influenced an entire generation you know when i was a kid my brother and i would turn on mtv and leave it on and i compare the food network to that now you know because people put the food network on and they just leave it on in the background and they'll pop in to, for their favorite show and they'll watch some things and they get inspired and kids are cooking because of that and parents thank me they thank me for giving the kids something creative to watch you know and that their kids get inspired and they want to cook and that's a big deal i mean most of the stuff that you watch hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And television isn't very inspiring or creative, no. and, you know, parents don't usually thank you for it. <laughs> no doubt. Not especially nowadays. So we're teaching kids and adults to cook, you know, they it, and it's not in a boring sort of a way it's entertaining they hear us talking oh the chef is sauteing the chef is grilling oh they should have done it this way and by osmosis they're getting entertained by the competition but they're learning how to cook 
Well, it's funny because when she and my grandkids were living with me for a while, she had it on my TV 24-7. I'm like, do we have to keep watching this all the time? You do. You have to watch it all the time because it's entertaining. And also, there's food element, right? You know, and some people who watch it will tell me, I never cook. I just like to watch. And that's totally fine. You know, and then there's some people who are literally watching so that they can take it into their kitchen and re replicate that dish. So we've got all sorts of viewers and, you know, I couldn't be luckier to be involved in Chopped. I love it. I love our fans. I love doing it. Infinite possibilities that can happen. Absolutely. Well, you know, and I love that you are influencing the children of our country because all these reality shows and crap like that. Oh, my God. Like. You know, what happened to television that was actually role models? So I'm glad we have role models like you for our younger generation. I'm very proud of that. And I think that, you know, we're getting kids to ask their parents to buy them the arugula or the, you know, or the, the organic salmon or, you know, so when otherwise, you know, the parents might not be exposed to that stuff. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny because... I eat a certain way. I'm a big believer in, you know, certain foods and certain not foods. And I've influenced my kids that way. And, you know, it is kind of tough in this society because, you know, you're ostracized for being that way sometimes. Or, you know, people are so brainwashed. You know the arguments I get in with people about eating certain foods that they shouldn't be eating? I mean, you are where you eat is really true, and I think it's very difficult because in this country we don't make organic vegetables or really well-raised meats or fish as accessible to everyone, and that is something that I hope in the future just sh celebrity chefs like my friends and maybe me can help influence and get get those things to the people who can't maybe even afford it, and I think it becomes an elitist thing, you know, it's like... You don't have to be wealthy just to eat well. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be like that at all. So I, I do see how that's a divided thing. But so I think I think that kind of food should be accessible to everyone. And you know what I find too is, why should we have to label it organic? Why isn't it the opposite? <laughs> like what the hey? I agree. We should organic should be a given. Right. And then the poisonous pesticides and the GMOs should be the things that are labeled like msg now it's natural flavors like they outlawed saying and putting msg but they make it natural flavored and people think oh natural flavors that must be good for you no it's not good for you but i do think the awareness has risen and with the onset of the food network and people talking about food all the time they now talk about their food and where their ingredients come from and that happened pretty quickly in the last you know 10 15 years people are really talking about where, what's in their food you know, you see it with the big cereal companies, with the sweet cereals, that people don't buy that stuff anymore and everybody has to change what they're making. You know, so I think if we keep talking about it, keep pushing, and what the consumer buys will drive, you know, the manufacturer. And I'm big about all of that because I think everybody's like in cahoots because let's get you sick, put you on drugs, keep you sick, keep you coming back for drugs, and it's all just, and you know, I was just recently in Hawaii, and I'm driving on the north shore of Oahu, oh my God. and I look, we might have been there at the same time, mm -hmm. and I look up, and there's this farm stand, 
like, but it's a restaurant, literally in the middle of a farm. I'm like, that's where I gotta go, and literally, it was the best meal in Hawaii I had. Like, I went to a luau. I thought the food sucked. Okay, it was like had weird taste because when you start detoxifying your body with all the poisons and you start eating right, you can taste the difference between the poisonous food and the good food. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best food ever I could eat here every day. And then I'm sitting in the middle of a farm looking at the mountains and you know that this was truly farm to table. It's very rare that you can actually visually see that. Yes. It's very rare, we were talking about this earlier, that you actually know whether it is truly farm-to-table or truly organic or truly any of that stuff because nobody really questions them. Yeah, I mean, that's what we have to do more of. We have to question it. We have to push our farmers to... um we have to support them. You know, go to your local farmer's market. Don't just go to the grocery store all the time. Know who your farmers are. You know, I live in New York and there's a lot of farms in upstate New York, New Jersey, Long Island, Pennsylvania. That whole area is is rich in farmland. It's funny you should say that because what I was about to say before, I'm from Jersey. Where? Uh, well, I grew up in Montclair, Little Falls, Roseland. I've lived in Jefferson Township, Manalpin, Marlboro, Ocean Township, South Plainfield, New Brunswick, West Orange, West Patterson, you name it. Uh, well, I grew up in Cedar Grove, New Jersey. Wow, that's where my grandmother lived on uh, in the brick uh, apartments that had like a detached. Uh, I remember her apartment so well. I used to go to Cedar Grove all the time, and then I'd ride the paddle boats at Verona Park. God, fellow Jerseyan. <laughs> and you know what I was going to say is, that's what I used to do every day. Like people don't realize, they think of Jersey, they think of Newark. But most of Jersey's rural and big farmland. I mean, there's a reason they call it the Garden State. And I used to get dinner for our family every night at the farm stand on the way home. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm going to just reiterate the Garden State. It's not just a random name that it was given. There's so many farms in New Jersey, and the food is amazing. And, you know, if you just venture out a little bit more into Jersey, it's more than Newark. Yeah. We have farms. We have beaches. We have mountains. We have lakes. That's what I love, that's what I love about Jersey. It has everything you could possibly want. You could drive in any direction, be on a ranch, on a farm, on a beach, on a mountain, whatever you want to go to it's all in jersey yeah and where we grew up it was very close to new york city so i got i got exposed to a lot of culture and i fell in love with new york i live in new york city now nice and so i mean that's just it is the best city in the world oh i don't want to get any haters (laughs) no haters it's my show i love new york i'm i i don't think i'll ever leave it uh, and you know, one th- and that's what people don't realize. Like, you can go to New York City and drive ten minutes and be in the country. Exactly. That's. I mean, listen. Maybe we should keep it a secret. <laughs> yeah, everybody will start flocking there. <laughs> Rents are high enough, you know. Absolutely, it is definitely, but it's worth it. Yeah, and I love to travel. Don't get me wrong, but coming home to New York City always feels like home and I love I love traveling outside of New York going to the west coast going to the middle going south 
This country is amazing, um, but New York's my home. And I love that because the best restaurants and the best food in the world is in New York City. But, you know, what's nice is that chefs are expanding to other cities outside of New York. L.A., New Orleans, Nashville, Louisville. There you go. A lot of good chefs everywhere now. Beautiful. So, final words for our listeners? Final words. Well, here at Bourbon and Beyond, we have our final evening. We're not sure what's beyond. (laughs) But you'll be able to see me on Tuesday nights on Chopped. (laughs) And right after this interview, I'm going to text my daughter to see if she watches that show because she's going to crap that I'm here with you and she's not oh well tell her I said thanks for watching my pleasure and thanks for spending time with us thanks for being at Bourbon Beyond I guess now I'm gonna have to watch the show you know as a fellow Jerseyan I have to watch your show and I'm very glad that you spent some time with me here at Bourbon and Beyond I'm very excited to find out that you're from Jersey so hey you must be a good cook There you go. Thank you. I'm Chef Amanda Freitag. I'm from Jersey. Born in Jersey City. Grew up in Cedar Grove. We're on W4CY Radio with my fellow Jerseyan. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to the adventure on on W4CY Radio. America, it's time for the adventures of Hype Man on W4CY.com, West Palm Beach's number one internet radio station. Here's your host, the Pipe Man. This is the Pipe Man with W4CY Radio, and I'm here with Clay Bush from Danny Wimmer Presents. Nice. And we're here at Bourbon and Beyond, loving it here in Louisville, Kentucky. I gotta say, I do all your festivals. I am really impressed with the crowd we already have here in this blazing heat. You got to call it by its proper name. If you if you meet the locals and you said Louisville, you got to say like you've had a few bourbons apparently. You got to say Louisville. I've been trying to do that too. And there was somebody I was interviewing earlier that said it like I say it. I'm like, you said it wrong. I can't say it right. I can't. I'm like originally from New York. I can't bring myself to pronounce it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and, and I'm from Colorado, and we have Louisville, Colorado. So it's like, it, it, it can be confusing. It's spelled the same. The, the S is silent, apparently, here. But they say they always say you talk like you've had a few bourbons, and that's how you say Louisville properly. That's how it makes sense, because every time I try to do it, it sounds like I'm like, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, an idiot. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, what a great festival, great food, great bourbon, a lot of great music, and... You know, as you know, I do all your rock festivals, and uh, this is a different vibe, but it's a really cool vibe. And what big names you have here. How do you get such big names to an inaugural festival? I mean, honestly, Danny and and Del Williams and Gary Spivak kind of take the lead with our talent. And the way Danny wanted to treat this festival specifically um, was one to program the music while you were drinking bourbon. So it's something you would listen to, almost like a playlist. Um, so he, Stevie Nicks, Eddie Vedder, Steve Miller Band, Band of Horses, Gary Clark Jr., he'd go down the list and, and now it's turned into uh, this incredible, one-of-a-kind experience because no one really can has paired, I use the word pairing because it's food, right? So no one's really paired food, a proper food festival with a proper 
Drink Spirit Festival and the Top Line Music Festival, you always have it segmented. Music, it seems to always get the one side that doesn't get the full attention when you get to big food and beverage festivals in the United States, or it's the opposite. The food and beverage doesn't get the right attention at proper music festivals. So you can really only do bourbon and beyond in Louisville, Kentucky, because A, it's a top 10 global food city. Many, many publications will, will call it out like that. You, B, you have the bourbon, and you can't get the bourbon anywhere else, and, and they'll be the first to tell you here. And then the, the music is top-notch, and, and it's legacy, and it's current, and it's everything that's a part of bourbon and whiskey culture. Absolutely, and you know, one thing I also noticed too is, I've seen this all over the place, and you know, there's a lot of festivals in the United States, but you guys did a really, really, like you pulled all the stops to promote this thing. And that doesn't always happen with a first-year festival. Danny Wimmer makes my job very easy. I mean, I've never had a chance to uh, promote a Pearl Jam show or an Eddie Vedder show, but um, now is my first one. And, and you know, Danny gives you the keys to succeed. He's a he's a genius. He's a like I said, it's, it's, it's easy to sell a show when you have all these different things to talk about. We have 19 activations here. I don't have to just say, go see Eddie Vedder, don't see Stevie Nicks. Uh, I can say, go check out Love and Fire. Go check out Rock and Soul Barbecue. Go check out the Bourbon Bar. Go check out the Chart House. Go check out all the food, the, the beer experience. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Experiences. I can go check out the artist signings. Like, the more you talk about it, I think it separates ourselves from everyone else where it's about the experience. I don't even like calling these things festivals. I like calling these things experiences. Um, and I think we're going to continue to grow experiences at our, at our events moving forward. And it's funny that you should use that word because that was the next thing I was going to go to is that I look at festivals as not a concert but an experience. And that's what's cool about this one is it truly is an experience. With You know, and I do a lot of festivals but you have so much here for so many people it doesn't matter what genre music you like it doesn't matter what you're into it doesn't matter what you like to do this is a music festival a bourbon festival a food festival for everyone and that's where this is very different you can't get that and I think where we're going to continue to grow it is that experience I mean there's you and I could have a bar, backyard barbecue, have a couple of our friends band, and call it neighborhood festival. Um, that's the thing is, it's such an easy, high, hot word right now. And, and listen, we don't want to be a festival. We want to be an experience. We want to be a destination life moment. We want to be lifestyle. Uh, we're not a genre of music. Rock and roll is the air you breathe. It's around you. It's a part of hip hop. It's a part of alternative dance everywhere you are. Fashion, food, beverage. These just master distillers of this show are our headliners, and they're being billed on top of some of our musical acts. Now, Stevie Nicks, Eddie Vedder, and whatnot, but you also got Tom Clickio and Carla Hall on the ad mat with those names, and that's just as important to us. So we're going to continue to grow that. And what I dig, too, as somebody who's doing interviews is normally you do a festival, and the interview list that you get is the bands. And here we got three different lists, the bands, the talent, the culinary, the bourbon, like everybody's being interviewed because they're all equally important they're, they're they are and they all complement each other and it's interesting because 
you know, we just had Trey Zoller, who from uh, Jefferson Bourbon, just walk through the tent, and then you had Wes Henderson from Angels Envy Bourbon, and they just saw each other, and they high five. It's just, it's just like rock and roll, where the band see each other, at high five, we're all on together. Uh, the Bourbons think of it the same way, and and, and they're 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 the stars as well of the show. I keep going back to that, but Trey and Wes doing all these panels and workshops, and the chefs doing all these panels and workshops, and I, we you know, earlier today you had ZZ Ward and Tom Clickio on stage together doing cooking demos. You've had. Uh, I think there's a program called, uh, I believe it was called Breaking the Bootlegger, and that was basically Tom and Ed and Julian Van Winkle and artists talking about uh, piracy in all their industries. So you had ZZ Ward talking about piracy in music, you had Tom Clickio talking about restaurant piracy, you had the Van Winkle family talking about how people are pirating Van Winkle bottles and, re and refilling them and calling them pappy bottles. So that that's just very unique that you can't get anywhere else and we're gonna we're gonna do that and you're gonna see all the other DWP events kind of add that flavor because we can't just be go to your go to a show it's, it's you can get that anywhere and the bands tour a lot and they're incredible and they put on incredible shows our job is to grow these bands and you grow them through experience you grow them through these giant stages, and grow them through new audiences so this is also a new part of our development for a lot of these bands and you know going to the rock stuff that you've covered there's a band a perfect example is nothing more band I found at the Rocks who had 20 people opening the first of five before Adrenaline Mob gets a, gets an opening slot on Aftershock and all of a sudden you have a label war and now the band's what b blowing up right now has a, a had the lead sync of the, uh, the war Planet of the apes their songs about to hit number one on on rock radio it's just that's that's a part of this too and 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 we're all developing each other's brands and we're all giving new eyeballs to people a lot of these fans probably don't know all these bands and that's okay and vice versa a lot of people these fans probably don't know the bourbons yet and so we're we're taking casual drinkers and turning them into bourbon drinkers and we're taking casual music fans and maybe we're creating some diehard music fans so that's that's the fun thing about this that's why I get so excited and that's why you know we're gonna do more and more of this because it's important and it's our responsibility and I'll tell you it's funny at one of the other festivals you had me interview Fred and do a bourbon tasting and I rarely drink alcohol but I told you for promotion I'll do it that shit was good. I mean, to be blunt. And, and I'm not somebody that would normally say it's good. And it was really good. And I think that's a taste of what you really have here because you have real bourbon here. It's funny. Uh, Fred Minnick, who you, you interviewed at Rock on the Range, he uh, gave me some interesting statistics. I think it was yesterday. He was on a, a press conference with the mayor. In the 80s, like, I think it was cream liqueur was selling more bottles than bourbon was so you had pappy bottles elmer t lee the no you know booker no like all these guys were below banana liqueur and that's where it's changed and then you had the first bourbon festival the kentucky bourbon festival which is an incredible small you know not small it's, a, it's in a small town bardstown but that's really uh an, an incredible festival in itself been around for 20 plus years um all the bourbons have unique experience but it's a week long it's a different the music's not the same the food's not the same and and in fact we're here to celebrate bourbon so Kentucky Bourbon Festival come on out we want you here we want to activate you we want the KDA to activate and we want all the bourbons activating we want all the restaurants in town activating we want all the chefs coming here that's the whole thing we're celebrating culture and lifestyle and we're all here to grow each other's brands absolutely and one thing I've noticed because I do a lot of different festivals not just yours but a lot of other ones and the one thing I always say is kudos to how you guys run a festival because I tell you, sometimes there's other festivals I do that you guys are the benchmark, and I'm like, man, they just don't know what they're doing, <laughs> you know, and, and you guys really, right down to every detail, put it together right, and even more importantly, you make it a community thing, so it's not just about the festival invading some town, which is some festivals I've been at. 
you make the town part of it and promote all the local business, local community and everything. And I think that's real important. I think that's what makes it special. I mean, you're, you're bringing people from all over the United States to the event. A lot of times it's their first time being in this market. You know, we're here to celebrate Kentucky. We're here for a reason. I mean, Danny, you know, the whole reason we're here is we were here to start our own bourbon long five year, five plus years ago, and that quickly changed as we got to know and uh, know more people and learn about the culture here. And, and literally, it's 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 our home away from home. The big joke is this is the other LA, Louisville area, they call it for us. So it, it, it's it, it's just it's a home away from home. It's a special special city, um, and and like I said, you can only do this here, and, and we're going to grow this thing and keep keep growing it. Nice. So let's move a little forward. We got a couple other festivals coming up. I can't believe you're making me stay in Kentucky for a week because we have another festival right here next week, Louder Than Life. Let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, Louder Than Life, year four. And, and the thing is, without Louder Than Life, there's no bourbon and beyond. Um, it kind of kickstart our relationship with the city, kickstart our relationship with the bourbons. Uh, before bourbon and beyond, Louder Than Life, was the biggest bourbon festival in Kentucky, um, uh, you know, from a from a per day standpoint. Uh, bourbon and Beyond now is a true, true, true technically it is a true bourbon festival, um, and it's going to keep growing. But yeah, louder than life. Year four um, kind of kicked off our relationship with the city. This year you have Ozzy, Rob Zom, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, Rob Zombie, Five Finger, Prophets of Rage, Incubus, Rise Against, Mastodon, Stone Sour, Hailstorm, Gojira. I can keep going on and on and on. You have a ton of experiences here, which is a little different than Bourbon and Beyond. You still have the giant bourbon world is what we call it louder than life uh, you still have FYE but there's a lot more band signs a lot more acoustic performances going on the music experience is here again so they'll they'll reskin and go hard rock uh, for next week while they're going very Americana and acoustic and, and lifestyle this week uh, so you're gonna see the food change a little bit you see some of these names so uh, one of the activations with Makers Mark is this uh, rock, uh, I think it's Southern Soul barbecue well, that turns into rock and roll and barbecue next week. So you can see some of the skins change. And, and the thing is, it's cool is the festivals have complemented each other. So a lot of the things that we brought in for Louder Than Life in the past are at Bourbon and Beyond. But there's a lot of things that Bourbon and Beyond has created that are actually going to Louder Than Life now. So they all kind of play off each other now. And, and we can create unique experiences each weekend. And I am not I don't feel bad for you, man. Being in Kentucky for two weeks is a good idea to me. It will be a lot of fun, and you know what else? You didn't really have to say Osborne because anybody that doesn't know Ozzy, who that means, but it could be one of the last times people ever have a shot to listen to him or see him. I mean, see him live, because I, you know, covered him during the Total Eclipse, and Sharon was saying, "This is it." Well, you know what? He's earned his retirement. Um, we're I'm going to take these next couple shows with him. You know. To, to my grave probably because it's special we just did Chicago with them uh, Louder Than Life next week with them Aftershock with him back end of October here uh, so we're, we're, we're really pumped I think uh, it's I'm lucky to wake up and say oh, I get to promote Ozzy Osbourne shows I, I don't think a lot of people get to say that so I'm, I'm very fortunate to do what I do totally and I'm excited about it as somebody has seen Ozzy every single year since 1980 and had a Blizzard of Oz 8 track tape he sounds better now than he ever has for some reason at 70 years old. And you guys have him at these festivals. That's incredible. He's, he's a special, special brand. And, and he's, he's an icon. He's the godfather of metal. I mean, it's, it's, there's no, no one else can claim that. It's Ozzy Osbourne. Um, 
you know, it's a, he's a legacy. The music stands alone. I didn't know how big Ozzy Osbourne was because, you know, I'm, I'm 36. You know, I, I was big in the grunge era. That's where I really got into rock music. And Nirvana is a big, big band for me. Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, all those bands. But I didn't know how big Ozzy was until I was at Seattle in Chicago and seen the sing-along. And I didn't know how important he was. I, I knew he was important to the culture and the growth of, of metal and, and rock and roll. But I didn't know how the bands looked at him, and it's 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 almost like he's this figurehead. It's like going to church when you when you see an Ozzy Osbourne show. It's kind of funny we're saying that with the upside down upside down crosses going on in the past and Black Sabbath and all this cool stuff. But it is like going to church. It is it is a very unique thing because I've never seen anything like that in my in my career, and I'm excited to see you next weekend at Louder Than Life. Pumped to see it at Aftershock. There's two different fan bases. They they activate themselves differently on shows. So Aftershock will be fun. Louder will be fun. Rock Allegiance will be fun. Unfortunately, Houston Open Air, uh, due to the horrible weather going on, and, and we don't want to send people down there and get them displaced. And we, we want to be respectful. We would love to put on some kind of benefit. But when you have a destination event, you have people coming in, where are they going to stay if you have displaced families? It's only setting everyone up to be upset with each other and, and, and ruin travel plans and ruin weekends. And we'd rather, hey, you know what? We'll try again in the future. We don't want you coming to, coming down here and being displaced because there's other big problems going on. And believe me, we're gonna we're gonna help out where we can. We we we've, we're trying to drive donations to the the Harvey Relief Fund through the through the mayor and the city's office. So, you know, that's where we're gonna come in. I, I think that that's where we can be more impactful to create changes, put eyeballs on how you can help rather than you know. And I know people want to have a good time. I'd rather help and, and get this thing right so they don't have to go through things like this again. Or if they do, at least they have we have their back because that is what rock and roll is all about: is getting your back. And and we and we're going to continue to get every everyone's back, every community, because growing, growing the cities that we're in, and and, and putting eyeballs on them is a big re, is a big deal for us. And there's a reason we went to Houston. There's a food culture there. There's a beer culture there. There's a whiskey culture there. Uh, and there's a rock and roll culture there. Uh, so we're we're gonna, we're going to keep testing the waters and seeing what we can do in Texas. And and unfortunately, the last two years we've just been hit with weather, and so. Uh, it just hasn't worked out, so it's a bummer that the, that we don't have Houston Open Air this fall for the Fall for All. Uh, but Aftershock, Rock Allegiance, Louder Than Life, you got three massive, massive events and and, and three special events, uh, spe 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 specifically Louder Than Life and Aftershock. They're very unique experiences. And you know what? I gotta say that you know, first of all, third time's a charm. So uh, we had these two years, but. I give you guys all the kudos for doing the responsible thing, the thing for the community, and not putting on the festival. And, you know, some people could say differently. I say that you're doing what's best for that community. I think if it was just a concert and we we're just promoting a local concert, I had like four bands that I'm promoting with, uh, with, with the station down there and the media down there, I think it's a different conversation. The fact that we do brand these things inter you know, nationally and internationally, um, where, listen, we don't even know if our staff was gonna have a hotel room, so where are we gonna stay? And, and that's where it's just not right to go in there and add confusion, add co complexity to a, a scenario that you need just to put eyeballs on and say, hey, how can we help? Rather than you know, bring 30% of the fans from out of market and where they stand. Uh, so we're, we're going to continue to help. Like I said, we're going to put eyeballs on it. But that's that's where I think if it was just a local show, like we we're just doing four bands, the probably show's still going on. And that's what Danny Wimmer Presents is all about. Community, food, alcohol, good alcohol like bourbon. Quality. <laughs> Quality. Quality over quantity. And that's why you're... 
we're at a bourbon festival, not at uh, a tequila shot festival or a uh, or, or a frat boy festival. I guess I can call it, even though I'm a frat boy. But I've grown. I've, I think I've grown out of it. There's no shotgunning going on here. That's for sure. There you go. Great. Me- hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Music, great bands. You always have like the best bands at the festivals. And one thing I've always said is you guys are running festivals kind of like they're done in Europe, which has always been known as the better festivals. And American festivals have not always had that same community family oriented type of feel as a european festival and i think you guys are doing it right you're doing it for the right reasons and thank god you guys are here for the music community well we can't do it without you guys can't do it without the fans like you, you said it yourself it's a community um it's, we're just one giant mosh pit right um you fall down we pick you up um and and that's how it always will always will be with us um, this is a lifestyle, this is a, a community, and this is not a genre, and this is not a concert. So I, ca- I can't say it enough, is that we want one-of-a-kind experiences for the fans because this probably might be their only trip of the year, and they're spending a lot of money. It's my, and not my, it's the company's responsibilities. My, my jo- I have a job, Danny has a job, Laura, Charlie, Brandy, and go down the list of everyone that works extremely hard at DWP. We all have a responsibility, to, and that's to make the fan experience and the band experience and the media experience and everyone's experience top-notch. Like you said, people are spending money to come here, and we don't want you to waste your money. I know what it's like when I go to a restaurant, I spend $100 on a steak, and that steak tastes like crap. I probably won't go to that restaurant no more. And then I'll go on Yelp and give it a bad review, maybe. And I'm on the socials being very vocal and being a troll, maybe. I don't know, but that's that's number one priority. It's always, always, always about the experience. Absolutely, and that's what it's all about, and that's what I experience with you guys and your festivals, and that's why I choose choose because i have my choice any festivals i choose to do all the danny wimmer festivals because you guys do it right any final words for our listeners thank you seriously thank you guys for believing in us thank you guys for waving that rock flag um keep keep buying music keep listening to music keep streaming music just get get involved in music and 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 help us grow the genre and be a part of these incredible experiences. It's 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 a family event. Uh, it's great to bring your girlfriend to. It's great to bring your boyfriend to. I think it's it's just that that's what makes us different. It's it's always about that special experience, and we're gonna keep growing it, and we're gonna keep over delivering. And uh, thank you guys for everything you do because we do it for you, and we do it because you guys love us too. So we love you. Thank you. And I'll go a step further. Rock Allegiance, I'm bringing my eight-year-old grandson because his favorite band's Five Finger Death Punch. I got to talk to your son about that. It's, it for it's my fault. <laughs> it's not. It, it's actually my daughter. My daughter didn't do it. I did it. I brought my son into his first mosh pit. It was a Slipknot mosh pit. You're a good granddad. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell Chris Kale that, and we'll, we'll make sure that, that Burn MF, we'll get them on stage maybe if they're still doing that. So uh, Chris Kale's a good friend, so I'm, I'm stoked to be at Rock League to see, see my buddies in Five Finger Death Punch for sure. Nice. Looking forward to next week, Ladder in Life, and then after that, Rock Allegiance, and then Aftershock. I'm very excited. Nine Inch Nails. Very excited about that. And just to talk on that show, that show's so different because if you look at rock and roll as a culture, 
you have nine inch nails, you got Ozzy Osbourne, you got five finger death punch, you got Eagles of Death Metal, you got Run the Jewels. That's rock and roll. And that's and that's what we're trying to push. And that's what Aftershock is so special. It's such a diverse, diverse lineup where Tech Nine run the jewels. You have hip hop, you got everything, alternative, rock. Another band I'm really stoked on is this all-girl group called Deep Valley. They're playing Aftershock. My friend Deb Fenstermacher is their manager. We used to work together at Interscope. And so it's cool to work with friends now and, and cool bands that, you know, that we've targeted that are starting to come out and play our shows. And 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 that's that's really rad for me personally. And seeing Eagles of Death Metal these shows and and I can't wait to see Run the Jewels because I guarantee you, just like when Lincoln Park, you know, rest in peace, Chester, we do miss him. Just like when Re- Lincoln Park played Rock on the Range 2015, and you see Chester turn around and he goes, holy S word, and to Mike, because he's never seen a crowd move like that. You're going to see that at Run the Jewels at Aftershock, where they're going to have mosh pits, they're going to have movement they've never seen. And that's what's exciting about it, because the fans care, and they're just a part of the community as, as a Five Finger Death Punch is. Absolutely, and having done Aftershock, it definitely is a festival no one should miss. Thank you guys again. Thank you. Hey, you're listening to the adventure on W4CY. America, it's time for the adventures of Pipe Man on W4CY.com, West Palm Beach's number one internet radio station. Here's your host, the Pipe Man. This is the Pipe Man with W4CY Radio, and I'm here with Dave Pickerel. From where? From Whistle Pig Rye Whiskey. Nice. We're in uh, Bourbon and Beyond. Uh, of course, there's a lot of whiskey and bourbon here, but yours is probably the best, right? Oh, this is just a you know it's a great it's a great place here and and uh, you know there's some awesome bourbons here, um, great people, great crowds. It's just an incredible place. Are you kind of amazed at a first year event that has this kind of attendance? Oh yeah, I'm I'm absolutely excited. I I kind of sneaked in here under the radar to see if this might be something that that my company would like to participate in next year and. Uh, I'm going to sell it really hard because this is they hit it spot on first year. Yeah, I think you're pretty convinced now, aren't you? Absolutely. I, there's there's definitely a place for us, and and uh, and it's a place where we can uh, we can share and have our voice heard um, and do it in front of a massive audience of people. Nice. So tell us a little bit about your company. Well, you know, I was with Maker's Mark for 14 years. I left there about nine and a half years ago to uh, be involved in the craft whiskey space. And uh, the distillery that I started out with is what we call Whistle Pig. And Whistle Pig is a, a rye whiskey distillery out of Shoreham, Vermont. And we've kind of taken the world by storm. Uh, when we started, we just had a few concepts. Number one, the belief that rye whiskey was coming back. It had been essentially a dead category for decades. Um, second, that we would be able to create a subcategory rye whiskey over six years old. Third, that we'd be able to own it and that we could do it with the best rye whiskey ever made. And while a lot of people laughed at us, the fact is every time we've released a product, it's some credible organization has said it's the best rye whiskey in the world. And in fact, we're just getting ready to release um, a vintage product in about two or three weeks that's been judged best whiskey in the world. Nice. 
So why would people laugh at you and why are they wrong? Well, the reason they'd laugh at me is because rye whiskey's been made for 250 years and who am I to think I can make the best one? Um, but I always figured, you know, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. And uh, so my objective was to aim high and just see what we could accomplish. And we've got a marvelous team of folks and uh, we've been very, very fortunate to uh, curry the favor of all the tasters and, and uh, we're very proud of that. So what kind of feedback are you getting from people that is making this like become one of the best rye whiskeys in the world? What, what are people saying? Well, the first thing that's always noteworthy for us is that we've figured out how to make a rye whiskey that doesn't grip the back of your throat. Um, and that's uh, basically by managing out the tannins and by managing up the caramel level. And we've got special procedures in place to do that. It's just a philosophical thing, but it's worked very well for us. And it, it, uh, it guarantees that I'm not going to burn the back of your throat when I give you a whiskey, regardless of what the proof is. Well, I like that because that's one of my uh, downfalls with ever wanting to drink whiskey is because it burns the back of my throat. So I might have to try yours. You, you definitely need to. I'm, I mean, start with the 10-year. That's our flagship. Everybody loves it. It's good for everything. If you want to have it neat on the rocks with water, put it in a cocktail, however you want to consume it, you're going to love it. You're going to find a spot that's perfect for you. Nice. And so... What have you found, you know, being here all weekend at Bourbon and Beyond and, you know, what's your comments of what you've seen going through all this bourbon, whiskey and everything that's here? Well, the first thing is it's a very, very well-run event. Um, the second thing is um, the folks are great. I mean, you're not seeing people just staggering around drunk. You're seeing people that are responsibly consuming and, and learning, you know, there's it's not just music, although there's a lot of great music. There's, there's a venue at the other end of the, of the place where it's just about learning. And, and there's lectures that go on hour after hour. And um, it's just a, it's a great venue in its, in its totality. Well, there's one thing I really loved what you said because I came to this event thinking, oh my, there are going to be some seriously drunk people and I wasn't saying it in a positive way. And I was pleasantly surprised. I have not seen really anybody that was obliterated or belligerent or anything like that. It's been pretty mellow and I, I guess a lot of responsible drinkers. I, I would agree. It's, I, and, you know, I've been around a lot of festivals and, and, and people do tend to get sloppy towards the end. And, and you know, I was here till the last dog was hung last night, and and people were respectful, and and they were still, um, they they were, um, uh, I did I didn't see a lot of staggering drunks running around. I was astounded. Um, you know, part of it's because it's so blazing hot here. I think you could drink a bucket of whiskey and sweat it all out. Um, but uh, um, you know, I think you know people are hydrating, and you you can see. There's, there's water buffaloes out there for people to just, just guzzle water. And I think everybody's got it. There, even, you know, the TVs around the venue, there's, there's, there's responsibility messages and don't forget to hydrate and, and you know, sensible reminders. And I, I just think that's all part of how well it was run here. Well, you put it a good way because even my partner in crime over here, 
you know, I met her at another festival and she was falling over drunk off her behind and I don't know if she can hear me because it sounds like it's not even phasing her what I'm saying. She's too focused on her phone. But, uh, and she's been very responsible here at Bourbon and Beyond. Well, you know, it's, I think it's just indicative of the way it is. And, you know, and I've been all over the place. Uh, and uh, I just, I, I'm pleased. I, I, you know, I, I believe in responsible consumption. And, and I think the crowd has hit it perfectly. Nice. So how can people connect with your company, connect with you, and find your alcohol to consume? Well, the first thing is we're in about 40 states, and so by and large, if you're, if people are hearing this, they can probably go to their local liquor store and buy it. Um, if the liquor store doesn't have it, they can ask them for it and they can get it. Um, same thing with your local bar. If they don't have it, they can have it. Um, and uh, um, and just be persistent, and, and uh, if you don't find it there, go to the next one because it's pretty well distributed. And is uh, there a website or social media that they can connect with you on? Oh, there's, this is really fun. So, so we do have a website. Obviously, it's, it's Whistlepig. And, and you can find us on, on Instagram as well. And the, the fun thing about Instagram, we've got a killer guy that manages our Instagram account. And if you look for the number one, two, and three largest Instagram feed, um, Johnny Walker and Jack Daniels are number one and two. Whistlepig is number three. So we're easy to find. Nice. Love it. Love it. And I, I'm hoping to see you at number one and knock them off the pedestal. We're working at it. I think number two is, is within our sights right now. We're, uh, we're really coming up well. We've got a marvelous fan base of folks. That's great. Uh, so... What else do you think you want to share with our listeners that would convince them to be a, a whistle pig drinker? Well, you know, the nice thing is we've got something for everybody. Um, I've got a 10-year-old that's versatile and it's good in cocktails and whatever. We've got a 12-year-old that's finished in Sautern, Madeira, and Port that's just straight up dessert. And it's absolutely luscious and delicious. We've got a 15-year-old that'll knock your socks off. If it's rye for spicy rye lovers. So we've got something for everybody. And uh, I, that's one of the fun things is I don't just drop another product out the same stuff at a different proof. Every, every product we do is distinctly unique and different from every other one. So there's something for everybody. I think it's very important too, what you said. I think it's important to be, have something for everybody instead of limiting yourself. Like some companies in, in any business, they want to be in one little niche. You can be in that niche but why not be in other niches too, is my opinion. Well, I mean, that's kind of my philosophy is, is you know, we had the 10 and it was doing great. And then we look around and say, you know, we don't have anything in the finished whiskey market. So let's go make the best one of those. And so we did that. And then it was, we don't, we need something older. And uh, so it's, it's, it's just constantly looking around and seeing what else do we need so that we do have something for everybody. Very cool. So... If you were to listen and leave our listeners with some final words, what would that be? Um, number one, you need to make your way here to Louisville next year for Bourbon and Beyond. It's an absolutely incredible event. Number two, find some whistle pig and try it. I promise you'll enjoy it. I promise they will too. And uh, I urge my listeners to uh, definitely try it out. 
and I'm all about, you know, a type of company that isn't the company that is the standard just because of their name. I'm into companies like yours that are innovative and willing to make things better and, you know, saying a goal to be the number one whiskey in the world. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. Well, my pleasure. Thanks. Hey, you're listening to the Adventure on Pumlet on W4CY. Wake up, America! It's time for the Adventures of Hype Man on W4CY.com, West Palm Beach's number one internet radio station. Here's your host, the Pipe Man. This is the Pipe Man with W4CY Radio, and I'm here with... Fantastic Negrito. Nice. Here at Bourbon and Beyond. And how has it been? Has it been beyond your expectations? Well, I'm just... Uh, I practice a religion of gratitude, so... I don't try to expect too much. I don't try to get too happy. I don't try to get too sad. I like to ride right in the middle, but it's been a great honor to play in Louisville, Kentucky. Love it. I love your philosophy, too, because especially in this day and age where so many people are on this roller coaster ride and are forgetting about gratitude. Well, uh, I've been taught lots of lessons in my life that... um, lead me down the road of gratitude it is uh the one that is most rewarding and peaceful true story so for our listeners that have never heard you tell us a little bit about you a little bit about what they can expect from your live performance your music and all of that well first of all uh i i like to say that there's there's only one fantastic negrito in the world uh, i have googled it and um What people can expect from my live show, I kind of like to think of it as church without the religion. That it's going to be a uh, holy spiritual crowd participation, group therapy kind of concert. And that's the way that I, uh, I like to get down when I do a live show. I love the way you word that because I think music is therapy anyway, okay? And so many, there's so much talk now about taking music out of the schools, and I think it's the worst decision ever. And, you know, I mean, music saves kids' lives. 100%. I mean, it, um, you can't take creativity and art and productivity away from human beings. When we go to a museum... What are we going to see? We're going to see what other human beings produced. We're going to see their artwork. We're going to see what they uh, were doing culturally and what was the, the product and result of, of that uh, experience. We look at the Egyptians, we look at their artifacts. We look at the Greeks, we look at their, their philosophy and their theater. I mean, uh, so it's just, when a society wants to get rid of the arts, it's really not really interested in itself anymore. It's like a snake eating um, its tail. Absolutely. And I was talking uh, with one of the people from Fender Guitars earlier, and they have this program now where they're actually giving 
guitar lessons from, you know, famous guitarists, like online to these kids that are not getting the benefit of music in schools. And that makes me so proud because I could tell you even myself, I mean, music got me through a lot of bull crap in my early childhood and still does today. And I don't know where I'd be without music. Well, there wouldn't be any world without music. It's like um, I watch a movie and turn off the soundtrack. The music is uh, the soundtrack to our lives, and nature is music. The wind and rivers, birds and streams, this is all music. It's nature's music. So it's, uh, it's the true language of humanity. And what else do people want? Exactly. And you look at a place like this, a festival like this or any other festival, and where else can we all just get together and be one people and be a big family? And that's all because of music. And forget all the problems that are in the world right now and forget everything that's going on and forget any differences or division because you come here and that doesn't exist. Well, artists are uh, very important people. I mean... And when I, I think about like my the album that I did, I, it's um, it's called The Last Days of Oakland. In case you don't know, in case people don't know, and I really started on this journey of being fantastic Negrito four years ago, where I decided that I was gonna just I picked up a guitar and just walked out to the streets. And I started playing for people that didn't want to hear me because I thought that that's how you really connect with people, so at this point in my life, what I love about uh, being Fantastic Negrito is that it's um, really came from busking. Three years ago, I, I was playing on the streets, you know, and, and in 2015, and people don't know about me, I, I uh, won the NPR Tiny Desk, the inaugural NPR Tiny Desk, and then hooked up with Chris Cornell, and then, um, you know, we spent a year touring at Temple of the Dog, and. Um, put out The Last Days of Oakland, getting back to that, which is a communicator. That album was about uh, connecting with people. It was about contributing something. And without a record label, won a Grammy. So I like to be the artist that, hey, it can be done. It's never too late. Even if you quit, which I've quit before and sold all my equipment, there's still a chance to contribute. And you gotta be a contributor. You can't be a taker, you gotta be a giver. And you gotta open it up because people need us to. Well, you know what's funny about what you just said is I was just at a radio conference and Demi Lovato was there. And she said something that I was like, man, she's pretty cool. Forget what they tried to do to her in the media and stuff. And basically she said, I am in this business to give back and to help people. And if I'm not doing that, then it's just a narcissistic career. Well, I like to think of myself as a recovering narcissist. <laughs> and uh, we all have been you know, guilty of something in our lives. I mean, as, as an artist, like you look at a room full of people who are diverse and they come from so many different places. And you know, your intention is to, you know, as you were saying, unite these people and to bring these people together in the, in the name and the spirit of music we're opposed to you know politicians look at the exact same room 
and see blacks, whites, straights, gays, Asians, Arabs, Muslims, Jews, Hindus, Christians, and they think, hmm, how can I divide all these people for my own benefit? So I really think that it's the most important time for artists now as we live in such a polarized and divisive environment. I agree wholeheartedly, and you know, I wish sometimes the average person would realize what's really going on and that, listen, these politicians, they don't give two craps about you. Why are you treating them like they're some rock star? Why don't you just be you? Like, one of my big things is I hate labels because labels create division. Just be you. Just be who you are. Everybody should just be who they are. And everybody should respect everybody else for who they are. Politicians don't want that because they don't have the power when we're united. And that's why I agree with you. We need artists like you and every other artist out there more than ever right now to unite us against, to me, that's the evil. We're the last line of defense before tyranny, that's for sure. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about how to connect with you, buy your music, uh, and how our listeners can find out where you're going to be next and all that fun stuff. Well, it's pretty easy. Like I said, uh, there's only one Fantastic Negrito in the world, and today he's in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, Fantastic Negrito everywhere on Twitter, on, at Twitter, at Music Negrito, FantasticNegrito.com, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, right now I'm on state, I'm on tour with an artist that I really uh, love and respect. His name is Sturgill Simpson. And we're going out there. He's the country Grammy winner. I'm the blues Grammy winner. And we're going out and uh, just laying it on the line. And so I'll be in um, Colorado at Red Rocks with Sturgill Simpson next live. And that I love too. See, no lines and genre there. Country and blues together. Like... All music should just be together. Music is music. Well, like I said, I said earlier, I spent a year with Chris Cornell. I mean, here I was playing the music I was playing. He was like, look, man, you're the guy I want to open up my shows. I spent two months in Europe with him. We came back. I thought it was over, and he called me back, and he goes, let's do the States and Canada. We really bonded on that one. I said my goodbyes, and he calls me up, and he goes, hey, man. Me and the guys, that means the guys, we're talking and we think you should get your band together because I was doing acoustic with him. He said, you should open up the Temple of the Dog tour. And that's the only time Temple of the Dog ever toured. So we have a very sacred place, thanks to Chris Cornell, in history as the only artist to ever open up for Temple of the Dog. And again, it was someone who was uh, intelligent and brilliant and creative as Chris Cornell who didn't see the barriers. He was like, man, you are, are he's what he used to say, say, you're a force, man. You're a force. So, you, you know, we went out there and we toured and it was beautiful. And now I'm rolling with Sturgill Simpson. It doesn't matter. Man, if you move people, that's what matters. Love it. And what a great memory and a great memory to give our listeners of Chris Cornell because, you know, it's sad what happened, but he definitely was a force on this earth. And I think he still is going to be a force forever. And, uh, Thank God for people like him. Thank God for people like you. And uh, we're glad to have you here at Bourbon and Beyond. And we want to see a lot more of you. Thank you very much. Any final words for our listeners? Uh, you know, just be nice to people. Love it. Couldn't be said better. Thank you, sir.
There's only one fantastic Negrito in the world, and right now, he's on W4CY Radio. This is the Pipe Man with W4CY Radio, and I'm here with... Joe Richardson with Fender. Nice. I'm very excited about this interview because you're Fender. You know, there's a lot of artists here, but without you, there's none of those artists. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of dreaming going on here, a lot of dreams coming true at Fender. I don't know anyone that works there that this isn't their dream come true, whether you're an artist on the stage or someone promoting guitars and basses and amps. It's just a, it's a dream gig, and to be here with the music experience and you, I just couldn't ask for anything more than that. It's good for all of us. Yeah, and I got to tell you, Squiggy emailed me and asked me, you know, uh, would you want to sit down with Fender and do an interview? And I'm like, sure. I mean, come on, it's Fender. Even if you don't even know what a guitar is, you've heard the name Fender. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that, that love guitarists, love music. They don't play, but typically they want to play and they want to be a part of this experience, whether it's through the music experience or an event like this or, or just as a bystander. There's a lot, there's a lot that happens here, and uh, we're glad to be a part of it. And, and one thing that's interesting to us is you know, the, the next generation of players, and I'll hesitate to call them younger players because they come in all shapes and sizes, you know, they're, they're coming in increasing volumes to want to play. So whether it's to a festival to see their, their rock god and, and country god play or, or just having listened to it on your shows, it's, it's what they want to be when they grow up, even if it's just to, to pass the time and entertain some friends so to be a part of that again dream come true absolutely and uh so i gotta tell you me too you know when i was a kid my dream was to be a rock star of course you know i didn't take enough time to practicing on my guitar and you know life got in the way and uh so here i am doing radio instead but you guys have this program, and like my eyes kind of lit up uh, because Squiggy said something about you don't have to be a kid to learn how to play guitar. You know, you could be 40, or like I'm 50, so you know, maybe at 50 you could do it too. And I don't think it really matters what age you learn how to play guitar. And it's not really about becoming a rock star, it's about something you enjoy, something that's creative. And it, I think it's therapeutic. Yeah, without question. And I think um, we could all use a little therapy in life, whether it comes in the form of playing or listening to music. You know, the, the one thing that the Fender, Fender's learned over the last couple of years as we've studied who plays, why they play, and how long they play, is that there's a lot of folks that want to pick up guitar. This industry doesn't have a lack of interest in playing guitar or playing bass. It's got a tough time getting folks to start playing and to keep playing. Right? We lose people in 90 days. We lose people in five months. In that first year, nine out of 10 folks that start playing guitar stop playing for one reason or another. It could be because of the way they're learning today through friends or online. It could be the way they're choosing to not take in studio. Whatever the case might be, the onboarding of a new guitar player isn't what it could be to keep more players playing longer. And that's the program you're referring to. Fender Play is such a big part of our of our future, ours meaning the entire music industry, because it's going to help folks start playing the way they want to learn, when they want to learn, how they want to learn, using the devices they use today, but with the kind of curriculum, the kind of path that gets them to the style of music, the technique, the songs, the riffs, the chords, all these things that they want to get too quick. 
um, we're going to help get them there. You could play your first song, your first chord, your first riff in nine minutes using Fender Play. It's not a matter of weeks of lessons. It's not a matter of losing, uh, learning arpeggios and chords and scales and the sort of things that you've got to learn to be a deep player. Kenny Wayne Shepard knows that, right? Johnny Lang knows that. They're players for a long, long time. you got to start somewhere. If we're losing players because they don't hear that first riff coming out of the amp, and after three months their fingers hurt, they don't know that that's okay, then they're going to move on. So why can't we get them to that first song quicker, Fender Play? Why can't we serve up the kind of content that says, guys, it's okay for your fingers to hurt. Mine did too. You'll get beyond it and you'll play for 30 years like I'm doing right now. And then build this community in Fender Play that you can talk to the other folks in Fender Play, experience what they're experiencing, and come to life with thousands and thousands of other new players. And again, that beginner could be a young guitarist, a young bassist, a young ukulele player, or it could be me with something under my bed for 10 years I haven't touched. Oh, that's a guitar. What do I do with it now? I go to Fender Play, I learned that song I couldn't learn before. Or I've arrived at a place in my career that I've got that time. I've got that patience, maybe. My kids are a little, whatever the case might be. A beginning guitar player is of any age, they're of any shape and size. Fender Play is there to serve them, serve that need, get them playing songs quick. And it's, it's exciting, it's going well. You know, you hit on a couple things that like hit some uh, hot spots with me or, or not so hot spots because that's exactly what happened to me. Like, I played drums for nine years, and then I switched to guitar because, to me, guitar was a lot cooler. But by the time I switched to guitar, you know, life has happened, and I just, I was taking lessons, and I was like, oh, this is work. You know, the same as you're talking about, you know, you pick up a guitar, you just want to play a song. You know, you don't want to spend six months learning, you know, notes and chords and scales. Like, I had one teacher that would just taught me scales for a straight month, and I'm like, I'm out. It's no fun. And then you take somebody like Kane Wynn Shepard that you mentioned, who's playing here at Bourbon Beyond. We just interviewed him. And he self-taught himself. And he's so passionate. And he's an incredible guitar player. And I, I think with your program, what really excites me about it is, instead of just some guy teaching me how to play guitar, like I experienced way back when, who probably wasn't good enough to teach me you guys from what i understand have like real people teaching the guitar like that would excite me i would not le have left guitar if somebody like a john five was teaching me how to play guitar yeah we've, we've got the the benefit and luxury of having some real talent helping us understand guitar players even better and, you know and added to those talented players you're referring to you know, Squiggy and the music experience and the student experience, they allow us to see through the eyes of these new players why it is they're doing what, they want, what they're doing or what they want to do if, if they can't do it yet. And it, it broadens the scope of what we're trying to be uh, as a program and as, as a brand. Um, we don't want to take anything away from in-studio lessons. We believe in them as well. We're not going to be able to teach in a two-way fashion through Fender Play what a student might need if arpeggios and techniques are important. But I got to tell you, I've played bass for 32 years. I've taken lessons. I've looked at YouTube. I've gone online. I've gone everywhere you can to learn something new. But when I first picked up a six-string guitar to play it with Fender Play, I learned a Jack White tune in the first 10 minutes. I couldn't have done that. And I did it on my terms, 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday. I wasn't going in at a lesson somewhere 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday. So it offers flexibility. It'll, it offers a level of depth and width that you can't always get in studio. But we also are of the opinion it augments what happens in studio. If you want to learn technique, you want to, you want to learn theory that a, that a good instructor can do for you, but at the same time you want to get to that first moment of truth, which is that song you want to play, put them together, man. You're going to be a rock player soon. You're going to be a country player soon. You're going to be a worship player, a metal player. Whatever you want to be, it's, it's all built into the Fender Play program. We're so excited about it, man. This is it's, it's really a, it's a thrilling program to be on.
I love it. And one thing you just touched on that's important in this day and age is the flexibility of timing because more than ever, people have no time. Like we're on call 24 hours a day. So the fact that I could or anybody else could learn guitar at their schedule, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I got a 10-year-old boy, Joey T, and he's got a he's got a bass, 51 bass, and he got it. And within an hour, he was online learning a song with that bass. And he was going to YouTube and said, okay, what can I do with this thing? It wasn't until he understood how to tune it first, what that first note meant, how to press that. That's what Fender Play does. It gets you on board to playing these instruments and, uh, uh, and the kid's playing. And it makes me proud as a, as a dad and as a player. And I think there's a lot of parents out there, a lot of aunts and uncles, that are going to think about guitars and basses and ukuleles and acoustics for Christmas. And they're going to sit in the corner of a room because no one helps them get on board. What's got the industry to where it is today results in nine out of 10 players stopping in the first year. Well, we gotta change that. We need this place that we live growing, the player's interest in playing growing, the ability for someone to go online and learn a Foo Fighters song within minutes, cool. Let's also show you what the chords it takes to get there, doing it right, and how to tune every time when you pick up the instrument. And let's give you in Fender Play a tuner and give you a chord library so when you go back to that chord again for the next song, it's right there waiting for you, right? In the community that says, here's how I did it, and I did it wrong, don't do it how I did it, do it this way, right? So think Facebook, think, think Instagram, all these different social networks that are gonna help this community rise up together. That's the next generation of guitar player. There's nothing dead, it's on the rise. And you know, the one thing I think that's really cool about Fender and doing this program is you're doing it at a time where they're talking about taking the arts out of school. And that really bums me out. So I'm really glad a company like Fender is making sure that even if it comes out of school, those arts are still going to be taught to kids. Such a smart comment. Interestingly enough, and probably not surprisingly to you, we get a lot of calls from schools. A lot of calls from PTAs and PTOs. How do I make this a part of our kids' upbringing, right? Their education, because it's not what it once was in schools. And there's a lot of schools doing things on their own, but in the absence of structure, in the absence of materials and branding and content, it can only go so far. So the schools, uh, academics, um, just one more one more way to prop up music and we can be a part of that and we intend to be a part of that as well. So that's a very astute observation. We agree with that. Tell us a little more about how people can reach out to you for this program and connect with you and let's get some people on board with this. Yeah, let, let's do it. Uh, play.fender.com is where you'll go to sign up for a 30-day free trial. Um, so try it out, like it, try before you buy, play.fender.com. You can go to fender.com, as you might imagine, it's going to be there as well, so two different sites. You see it a lot of places right now. Come to the festivals, meet with Squig at the music experience. You're going you're gonna to see Fender play more and more as time progresses, certainly as we get into the holiday, um, but it's everywhere. Start with play.fender.com, see what it's about, don't pay, just try it. Uh, most folks that try it, stay. It's doing what we want it to do, it's doing what they need it to do. Love it. I'd actually like to say something. You know, I, I, the thing that we see in the music experience, um, so I come from retail, 23 years in the instrument retail business, and when when kids started getting away from guitar, um, what, what we really saw that as is what was replaced by it was this world of instant gratification, right? You have to kind of work for guitar. You have to work to be good at guitar, and a lot of instruments are like that. And, you know, the cell phone is the center of the universe to a lot of the kids that we interact with. You know, that's not on an Excel sheet. That's not on a Word doc. That's not, that's what we see with our eyes, and that's real life. And what I'm excited about Fender Plate and being a part of it is it almost brings an instant gratification because that's the currency now. It's like instant gratification. And they figured out a way to make guitar 
almost instant gratification. And it's exciting for me because I think that's going to turn around a bunch of people that just assume they can never play guitar. And you can literally instantly play guitar. And, and that's what I saw in retail when guitar sales started to decline a little bit. It wasn't because the interest wasn't there. It was that because you could download an app and play guitar with your thumbs now, you know, and it would sound, you know, I mean, to me, it sounded terrible, but like our guitar hero. <laughs> yeah. So, but but Fender is bringing real life guitar instant gratification, and I, that's exciting. I love it. And you know, had this program been around when I started playing guitar, who knows? Instead of interviewing you, I could be up on stage today because if I got that instant gratification, even then, I might have kept playing. It was a, it, it was boring me really quick because I wasn't getting the instant gratification. That's not true of everybody, but it's true of me, and it's true of a lot of the kids today. I, th I think as, as those of us who grew up around the same generation, the stage was our end game, right? That was Nirvana for us. And, and there's still a whole lot of folks that are going to find themselves on stage one way or the other, and good for the hard work and effort. But there's this, this other generation of player, this, this next group, that just wants to play a song at a campfire. They want to be the guy or gal at the party that's with the acoustic doing what everyone's going to sing along to. And that's cool. That's great for them. That's what they got the time for. That's how they aspire. Fender Play gets them there too, right? If Fender Play is agnostic to what your end game wants to be as long as it's a part of playing guitar, playing acoustic, playing a bass, playing ukulele, playing the types of music that you want to play. So whether it's stage when you're done or the fire pit, go get them, man. Use Fender Play. We'll get you there. Any final words for our listeners? And this has been as much fun as for me as I could have expected. I think, you know, play.fender.com is where you start. Uh, track where you're going to go, take a look at what it is, try before you buy, give us a shot, and I think what you're going to find is the best way to onboard a new guitar player right now is going to come from Fender. Nice. Final words from you, Squiggy, and make sure you give a shout out for the music experience. You, you know, we love this festival environment, so, you know, it. we learn something new at every festival, and, you know, traditionally we've done rock and metal festivals, and, you know, just seeing kids come in, you know, ripping on blues riffs you know like i mean i come from the world of shred guitar and it's so nice to see people shredding with clean tone it's kind of a bizarre concept where i come from you know it's just like clean tone i think we read a book about that at one time you know but it's actually kind of refreshing to hear kids rip on clean tone so you know i just love being a part of the learning process that is the festival thing and you know with guys like joe and fender i mean the you know I get to live, this is my version of a dream, you know, music experience is my stage. Nice, and I, I love the music experience, and I love what you do for students, so I want to give a shout out because, you know, we've been to all these festivals together, and what you're doing for kids today with your uh, organization, absolutely phenomenal. Now, combined with Fender, these kids have a chance. That's my that's my viewpoint because they were losing that chance real quick. So kudos to both of you and thank you for doing that for our younger generation. Thanks for the time. We believe. Let's make some dreams come true. Absolutely. And thanks for uh, talking to the kids. You mentioned the student experience. You've been really great with talking to the kids and knowing that, you know, even if you can't be the rock star, man, you know, maybe you'll interview the rock stars. And, and it's better if you could play a couple of riffs on Fender Play, too, you know. But there's plenty of jobs out there, too. And, and you're kind of living proof. And so thanks for talking to the kids when, whenever we bring them by. And if you are somebody in radio like me or some other press person, now when you interview a guitarist, if you do the Fender Play, then you could say after the interview, hey, I'm going to give you some promo. Do me a favor. Bring me up on stage with you to play, like, one song. 
or the, or the encore, at least the encore, right? <laughs> no doubt. Well, this is Squiggy with the Music Experience. You're listening to W4CY Radio. is the pipe man with w4cy radio and i'm here with kenny wayne shepherd the one and only how's it feel to be here at bourbon and beyond the inaugural event like this is pretty amazing i do all the danny wimmer festivals and they're usually not like this i'm really excited about this one they're usually just like heavy metal festivals so this is pretty cool yeah i think this is good man i mean first of all it's huge I mean, for a first-year festival, these people really, like, pulled out all the stops. They got a lot of big-name acts. Seems like a great lineup. There's a lot of great food, from what I understand. If you like uh, alcohol, they've got, a you know, obviously a lot of bourbon here for you to consume and bottled water. Um, but I think it's, uh, you know, it's going to be good. Hopefully, the people will turn out and support the event so that there can be another one next year, you know, because I think they're really trying to do it right. And I think they will, knowing the people that put on this festival, that put on other festivals. I think you'll see a pretty crowded area here tonight. Probably a lot of drunk people, because there's a lot of bourbon out there. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, everywhere I go, somebody's offering me some. So I would imagine people need to pace themselves, because it's going to be a long day. No doubt, especially as hot as it is. Now, you're a native of Louisiana, and one of our studios is in Louisiana, so... uh, a lot of our fans are going to love to hear from you. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your background coming from Louisiana. As I understand it, your grandmother got you a guitar at like three years old. That, that I have six grandkids. I'm like that too. I annoy the hell out of my kids by getting my grandkids drums, guitars, stuff like that. They need to start early. Right. Well, yeah, man. I mean... I was always drawn to the guitar as an instrument. Uh, my grandmother got me these little toy acoustic guitars with nylon strings from the SNH Green Stamp store. And, you know, I learned my first notes on those guitars. And then at age seven, <clears throat> I got to meet Stevie Ray Vaughan for the first time and see his show. And it completely changed my life. And so after that, I got a real electric guitar and started really getting serious about learning how to play guitar. But growing up in Louisiana, man, I think it had a huge effect on, you know, who I am and the musician that I became because uh, my dad was in radio, so we went to every concert that came through town. But, you know, living in Shreveport, you can go five hours, you can get in the car, drive five hours south to New Orleans, three hours uh, west to Dallas, or five hours southwest to Austin, or five hours north to Memphis. I mean, it's like... They're nine hours to Nashville. It's like we had, and we did it all the time. So we're surrounded. We're like right in the middle of all these amazing music cities. And, you know, the opportunity to be exposed to all different kinds of music and great musicians, you know, and that helped shape who I am. Definitely. And there is a lot of great musicians that come out of that area. And, uh, you know, we're glad to have you here at Bourbon and Beyond. So tell me, uh, have you ever run into any kids that, maybe you are going to do for them what Stevie Ray Vaughan did for you. Well, I, you know, I mean, I hope to think that I'm having that kind of an impact on somebody. But, yeah, I see a lot of kids. There's a lot of parents bring their kids to my show. They know my story. 
Um, and I think, you know, that they want to bring their kid because maybe that, you know, there'll be a similar experience. I mean, I meet a lot of kids doing these shows that, you know, they show up with their guitars. They want me to sign their guitars. And like just the other day, uh, a mother brought her 20 year old son to one of my shows and I got to meet him before the show. And he was like, can I play with you, man? You know, and, and we ended up actually hooking up after the show and, uh, I let him hold one of my guitars and play around on it, you know, which is, you know, I never got to do that kind of thing uh, with any of my heroes when I was that young. But um, it's cool, man. You got to give back, you know, to the younger generation. You never know who you might affect in a positive way that may go on to achieve something great. That's so true. Even as press, I, I, you know, there's a lot of press people that cherry pick interviews. And I'm like, I'll interview everybody. I don't care every single band because you just never know who's going to be who, you know, and you never know what kind of impact you may have on their career or they may have on your career or whatever. You may just become great friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just being open to to the possibilities, you know, and and if you remain open to all that kind of stuff, you never know what's in store. Every day is an opportunity. Absolutely. And, you know, I love the fact that you're self-taught on guitar because I think some of the greatest guitars, present company in included, are self-taught. You know, as somebody who took music classes and also played, but I wasn't very good because I didn't practice much, but uh, I saw the difference of like, no, you know, if you're really going to be a guitarist that stands out, I don't think it comes out of a book. No, well, for me, it hasn't. And most of my heroes were self-taught, you know, like Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, B.B. King, Albert King. None of, you know, all, none of those guys took music lessons, you know, but they were maybe taught by a family member or a friend or something like that that showed them some stuff, which is the same for me. Um, but, yeah, going to classes and reading music and things like that, I, I don't do it. Now, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It just hasn't been necessary for me, and I don't think it's necessary for the blues genre. And I, I kind of agree. It's kind of like even we were talking about how I do interviews. I mean, I see people in the press that, you know, they have all these notes and they do all this preparation. They just sound like a robot, in my opinion. I look at it the same way as a guitarist that's just learning out of a book. They're just a robot, whereas they don't really come into their own by developing something new. That's how something new comes about, by doing it yourself. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, at some point you have to put the, the, the sheet music aside and just let the music and your soul be your guide, you know, and then see where that takes you. And that's how you become your own artist. There you go. So... You just dropped a new album, August 4th. Tell us about that. It's called Lay It On Down. Uh, it's a diverse uh, collection of songs. Got a lot of different grooves, a lot of different um, sounds and textures. You know, we took blues as the foundation and mixed it with a little rock and roll and a, maybe a little bit of country influence on a couple songs, a little R&B vibe on, you know, with some horn sections and, you know, things like that on a song, uh, Diamonds and Gold. So... You know, it's it's a really cool collection of songs, kind of something for everybody on there. It's very contemporary sounding. Uh, had a big debut the first week it came out. It was number one on the rock charts, number one on the blues charts, number one on the internet charts, number five on the new release charts. So uh, the fans have been responding to it very well. We're doing a lot of it in the show, and they're digging it. You can see the people that you know already have the record and, and know the songs and people that are discovering it for the first time but we're having a good time with it 
And how does that feel after all these years? Like, it's kind of rare that somebody's a musician, band, what have you, and after all these years to come out with new stuff that people actually want to hear the new stuff opposed to the old stuff. So how does it feel to reach number one at this stage, you know, opposed to, like, in the beginning when you reached number one for the first time? Well, it's still very exciting, you know. I mean, it's a different world we live in today where, you know, people in... In, the, in this genre are not, you know, like when I first started putting records out, we were selling millions of records. It's like, you know, albums were going platinum and things like that. In today's world, you know, platinum records for most people are a thing of the past, um, you know, because it's just changed so much from album sales to downloads to streaming and things like that. But regardless to ever, you know, to put any record out and make it to number one on any chart is a huge accomplishment. So it's very exciting for us. And, you know, we play the new music in the show. We have a lot of material that people, I think, expect to hear every night because we had a lot of radio hits back in the day. Um, but, you know, we like to play the new music. We want to let people know about the new music. We want them to experience it. That's why we recorded it, so we could play it live. So that's what we do. And, and I agree with that because I know from a lot of musicians that you guys kind of think your newer music is your better music because you know yourself you're growing opposed to, you know, in the beginning where, you're, for lack of a better way of putting it, in the learning process. And sometimes fans don't get that. Right. Well, for us, I mean, it's been, a, yes, it's been a growth process over the past 20, 25 years, but we've always tried to make quality music and the goal was to make timeless music. So anything on the first album sounds just as cool and as relevant today uh, as it did back then. So, you know, when we bust out songs from 20 years ago, um, none of us are sick of playing them. You know, it doesn't sound like uh, something that was trendy, you know, that, that sounds like stuck in the 90s. It's something that still sounds good today. So you're on tour now. Tell us a little bit about that. Where are you going after this? Uh, what you got coming up? Well, we're doing, you know, we've been out, we launched the record over in Europe in July, then we came to the States and launched it here in August, and we've been on the road basically since the beginning of July, nonstop, and this tour is going to take us through November in the States, and then we're going to go back in the studio, work on some new music, uh, but this album cycle will, will take us touring, you know, all the way through next year. So, uh, yeah, man, we're going to be all over the place. Like, after this, you know, we're going down. Basically, we're kind of working our way down south. We're going to end this run uh, down in Louisiana, my home state, before we pick it up again in a couple more weeks. Nice. Love it. Any final words for our listeners? Well, we just appreciate the support of everybody over the past almost 25 years. And if you're finding out about us for the first time, man, go check out the music. And, you know, I, I almost guarantee that you'll love it. Cool. And, and tell those people how they can connect with you on social media, buy your music, buy the new album. Well, you know, we're on all the digital platforms, iTunes and Amazon. You can order the physical CD as well through Amazon if you want that. Some stores still carry music and you may be able to find it there. Um, we're on Instagram. It's Kenny Wayne Shepherd is the username on there. It's KW Shepherd on Twitter. And then, you know, the Kenny Wayne Shepherd uh, Facebook page. We're pretty active on social media. Nice. Thanks a lot for the interview and uh, looking forward to seeing a lot more from you in the future. Hey, this is Kenny Wayne Shepard and you're listening to W4CY Radio. Thank you for listening to the Adventures of Pipe Man on W4CY Radio.